If you have kids or pets, you know stains and odors in your carpet and upholstery are inevitable. But the experts at ChemDry can help. ChemDry removes odors and stubborn stains by sending millions of carbonating bubbles deep within your carpet. ChemDry lifts dirt, urine, and stains to the surface to then be extracted away, giving you a cleaner and healthier home. Call 1-800-CHEMDRY or visit ChemDry.com to connect with your local ChemDry and learn about special offers in your area. That's 1-800-CHEMDRY or visit ChemDry.com today. They say plants like music. Yeah, no, like really, they, they respond to the vibrations of it, which means that this playlist you're listening to, the plants are too. You know what else plants like? Organic soil from miracle Grow. It's made with all the best stuff like wood fiber and compost. Plus, it's OMRI certified organic, which officially means it's made with superior ingredients. And when you give your plants the stuff that makes them happy, they won't judge you on your iffy playlist. Hear that, plants? So go ahead and give them miracle Grow. First degree. First degree. First degree. First degree. First degree. The first degree. These things are supposed to happen in movies, not in real life. While evil people definitely do find each other, I feel like that's something maybe not. Totally different, but definitely in the same realm. Vulnerable people who are at like these critical moments in their life to where they're kind of a little wishy-washy, but they still want to be a part of something. Evil people or people that can really like perceive things going on into other people's lives. I think they can really pinpoint when that is, act and get them to be on their side. Welcome to The First Degree, the true crime podcast that you might end up on. My name is Jack Vanek. I'm sitting far away from Alexis Linkletter and Billy Jensen. And I'm going to be honest right now. We recorded our episode of Killing Time before this, and it is amazing. So you need to get listening to this damn episode so you can get on to Killing Time. Right, guys? That's right. Yeah, I'm a little scared about the honesty I exhibited, <laughs> but I'm into it because that's just my what I'm going to do. Um, we read some hilarious reviews that we have gotten on the Apple Podcast app, so stick around for that. And by the way, while you're at it, write us a five-star review. We haven't asked for a review for in a while, in a while so might be the time to do it. So, you know, what day is it today, Billy? It is National Vinyl Record Day. Ooh, I'm into that. And we all do love a good vinyl record. We sure I do. love a vinyl record. Same. I right. love it because it chills me out because I'm somebody that fast forwards a lot. I would fast forward it with tapes. I would skip on CDs. I'd skip on MP3s. But you know what? I just put on an album and chill out because I don't want to get up and turn it over. I, well, until I have to turn it over. But yeah. Until you have to turn it over like 20 minutes into it because <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. how long vinyl is. 15. 15. No, the beauty of Spotify is their algorithm where they'll put songs on that are in the vein of what the vibe you're trying to curate. But there's nothing like a crisp, clean sound of a vinyl. If you have a short attention mm. span, 20 minutes is just enough. The crackling. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Exactly. Any other good days? It's World Elephant Day. Aww. It is uh, Truck Driver Day. Hello to anybody that's out there on the roads listening to us. Yep. Thanks for, for everything. Also, but also this day, it's also my mother's birthday. And I got her an iPhone so she could listen to the podcast. Oh, happy birthday. Is mommy, this going to be her first Jensen. episode? It's just, this is probably going to, this might be her first episode. Yeah. Oh, well, shout out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right. Well, that's enough of that. So let's turn down the lights and turn up your anxiety. Because this could be you. Do you remember your first love? Your first high school infatuation? Do you remember sitting there and obsessing about the object of your affection, experiencing feelings you'd never felt before, inspiration you didn't know existed? 
Well, if you have memories of this from your adolescent years, then surely you must also remember your first heartbreak, your first rejection, the shattered emotional response of your first betrayal. Our first encounters with love and loss are no doubt defining and have incredible influence over a developing adolescent brain. But most of us, even under the worst of circumstances, even in the face of the most crippling heartbreak and rejection, are resilient and tend to bounce back. But what if your first love, the thing that made you feel more alive than you ever had, ultimately and unfortunately, killed you? So today's case takes us back to April 18th of 2011. The songs topping the charts were E.T. by Katy Perry and Kanye West and S&M by Rihanna and Britney Spears. Mortal Kombat, Scream 4, and Thor were playing in theaters. And we're going to Summerfield, Florida. Summerfield, located close to the intersection of US 301 and County Road 475A, just below the city of Bellevue. Now on all the websites we looked at, Summerfield seems to be relatively safe. It boasts lavish golf courses and other leisure activities to accommodate the many retirees who inhabit the area. This place seems about as suburban as it comes. And you know what happens in the boring suburbs, right? The kids get bored. And you know what they say, idle hands are the devil's plaything. And this concept will be evident in today's case. The one thing the high school students who lived in Summerfield could count on to keep them busy, of course, was school. So students at the local high school were going through the mundane routines of a Monday morning on April 18th. And remember, the bell rings, people shuffle to class and sit down at desks, and they're all sleepy, having the Mondays and waiting for the teacher to start talking about algebra or dolphins or science or sociology or whatever. But something was different this morning. Something was amiss. But what? Students at the high school were trading texts wondering where one of their classmates was. Friends of 15-year-old Seth Jackson had been texting him since Sunday trying to track him down with no luck. They figured that he must have lost his phone. You know, maybe he was grounded and it was taken away. Maybe he was homesick, not paying attention to his phone. You know, who knows? There's endless possibilities and there's little cause for concern, right? So maybe Seth's friends weren't concerned yet, but his mom certainly was. Because here's the thing. Seth wasn't at home sick, and he didn't have any sort of appointment keeping him out of school that day. In fact, Seth's mother was spiraling with worry because she didn't know where Seth was either. She hadn't seen him since the previous evening, and she had no idea where he could be. But once she realized Seth wasn't going to turn up to make it to school that day, she decided to do something about it. She went to the police station to report him missing. When the police first speak to Seth's mom, they're not sure this is any more than an angsty teenager who decided not to go home and has opted to stay out and blow off some steam. However, Seth's mom assures them she is certain that something is wrong. He would never not come home on a school night. And she urged them to listen to her. She had a sinking feeling that something just really wasn't right. So investigators probe Seth's mom for more info about her son. Who are his friends? Who are his girlfriends? Where does he hang out and what does he do? So Seth's mom knew little about her son's social life, but she did know the broad strokes. But like many 15-year-olds, Seth had started sharing less and less with his mother as he moved into high school. But what she could tell them was that Seth loved skating. He loved BMX. He hung out at the skate park. And he was a funny kid who was often referred to as a class clown. Another thing she could tell them with certainty is that he had an on-again, off-again girlfriend who was named Amber Wright, and she went to the same school as Seth. Right, so the police at least have a starting point here. So they approach 15-year-old Amber, and she's adorable, strawberry blonde hair, beautiful face, freckles, and she's super petite. She was popular, beautiful, and had a ton of friends. And when they speak with her, they ask whether or not she had heard from Seth. And it's then that she tells them that they had broken up under these really odd circumstances. But here's how the relationship played out. And honestly, it's not unlike a high school relationship that you might have had. So Seth was infatuated with Amber. And she was the half-sister of his friend, Kyle Hooper. And for as long as he'd been friends with Kyle, he pined for Amber. He liked her for a year before he worked up the courage to tell her how he felt. 
But once he did, they were an immediate item. And this relationship began as one of those obsessive ones does. Amber was Seth's first girlfriend. So he did this thing where he like dropped all of his friends and he fixated on Amber. And it's kind of like all he cared about. The two of them posted pictures of them together incessantly on social media, status updates, posts on each other's Facebook walls, you name it, and they did it. And like many whirlwind relationships that start out really fast, there was a come down and then a steep decline. About four months after they started dating, Amber started to distance herself from her boyfriend and essentially she ghosted him. So as Amber is speaking to the police, she tells them that she started to lose interest in Seth because she thought he was immature. He was 15 after all, and we know that girls, generally speaking, mature much faster than boys. She was over the relationship and she wanted to move onward and upward. So what does she do? She ignored Seth's calls, and she falls into the arms of another guy. And this guy who caught Amber's attention was 18-year-old Michael Bargo. We're going to let our first degree, Jaime Polanya, tell you about the kind of guy Michael Bargo was. Mike was a little bit more of an outcast. Definitely hung out with like a certain clique of like more, I don't want to sound... Like I'm stereotyping, but there's like more of like an emo click. It was during sort of that time. He had like an emo kid skater vibe about him. He was a long haired kid who sometimes caused trouble. Definitely had a, a foul mouth, but wasn't necessarily always so boisterous. Michael Bargo was from Michigan, which is where he and Jaime went to high school together and developed a friendship before he abruptly moved to Florida over the summer. I would give him the time of day and I would talk to him. We developed a friendship. Back in that time, skateboarding was starting to get like another little wave in our school or maybe in Michigan. And he was a really good skateboarder. So uh, we were talking about it for the longest time and I actually bought a skateboard off of him. And I paid him for half of the skateboard. And then I said, next year, when you come back, I'll have the other half of the money. Because, you know, that's how kids do things. They're like, yeah, I'll get the money whenever. And then I never saw him again. And I never really, uh, never really realized what he would be doing when I didn't see him again. So... So Amber went from dating Seth, who was 15, to Michael, who was 18. And she was serious about this lack of maturity and thought the best way to solve it was to date older. And that's exactly what she did because Michael was mysterious. He was a badass. He was a tough guy and he was interesting and charismatic. The problem was that Amber didn't tell Seth why she was ignoring him. She didn't tell Seth that she was dating someone new. She just sort of left their relationship in purgatory until Seth saw something on social media that crushed him. So he went onto Facebook and saw a picture of the two of them together that seemed really like lovey and affectionate. So that's when Seth found out that Amber was essentially cheating on him with this older guy. So in the face of this, Amber's his first love, he emotionally spiraled. Amber's his first girlfriend and he really didn't know how to process what he had felt to be a huge betrayal. Right. So how does a 15-year-old in 2011 process his emotions, air his grievances, and express that he's upset with his ex-girlfriend? Well, he vented and lashed out on Facebook. Seth started an angry rage fest on social media. He called Amber names. He called her a slut, a whore, all the mean ones that he shouldn't have said. And he called her new boyfriend Michael names as well. All the peers watched as this train wreck unfolded in real time. And as adults, you know, we know that social media can be extremely damaging in this way, especially for a teenager. The worst part is not what people are saying about you. The worst part is that everyone sees it. It's the literal definition of embarrassing. So naturally, Amber starts defending herself online publicly as well. But her new boyfriend took a more offensive position. Michael starts dishing it back to Seth the teens start trading threats. And Amber was the eye of the storm. And the drama was about to get worse. Because remember, Seth was really good friends with Amber's half-brother, Kyle. 
And Kyle didn't appreciate the fact that Seth was calling Amber all these names online. So he asked him to stop. And Seth basically told him, stay out of it, mind your business. You get the idea, all of that. Well, that didn't work for Kyle, and he basically told Seth to fuck off if he's not going to chill on the attacks on Amber. And this really didn't help things. In fact, it poured gasoline on an already raging fire. So the police are listening to this entire story, and their heads are spinning. And I'm sure at this point, they doubted that this petty high school puppy love drama could be connected to the fact that Seth was missing. I mean, this is something that all teenagers go through. It's, it's this, we're all familiar with this sort of thing. But they wanted to keep digging in because the bottom line is that Seth still hadn't turned up. So any information they could glean about where he could be and getting answers, they wanted to know. So at the top of their list, they wanted to know more about Amber's new boyfriend, 18-year-old Michael Bargo. In Mike's little group of friends that I knew him, there was one kid, there was about two males and about two or three females. And when he was spending time with them, he never really expressed how, you know, like, oh, I'm going to see this girl tonight. I'm going to do that girl. He was very much just whatever about it. Very nonchalant. Never really talked about girls in any sort of like overtly sexual way. Okay. So we know that Michael hated Seth, but was there anyone else? Well, yeah, actually there was. So... We know that Amber's brother, Kyle, was mad about the posts Seth was making online, and he dumped Seth as a friend. Well, I'm sure that hurt Seth's feelings and maybe even angered him and maybe made him feel a lot of feelings. So Seth did something very immature. He wanted to spite his friend, well, his former friend. He wanted to spite the brother of his ex, whatever you want to call Kyle. So Kyle had a girlfriend named Alyssa Masters, and Alyssa apparently had always had a crush on Seth. So Seth really leans into this. He and Alyssa started sneaking around behind Kyle's back. So now Alyssa was doing to Kyle what Amber had done to Seth. She started blowing him off, not returning his calls, and essentially ghosted him. And this confused Kyle because there hadn't really been any issues between the two. So Kyle decided to go to Alyssa's house to talk to her and see what the hell was going on. And this is something that Kyle would regret because as soon as he got to Alyssa's house, he looked into her bedroom window and he saw his former friend Seth having sex with his girlfriend, Alyssa. This is obviously not good. And unsurprisingly, Kyle is fucking pissed. Really pissed. Because first Seth attacked Amber publicly, called her a slut, a whore, and a lot of other things. And then Seth sought revenge against Kyle by sleeping with his girlfriend. So yes, this is petty. Yes, this sounds like insignificant high school drama. But at this point, the plot is taking on some pretty serious implications. There are three people now who were really, really pissed at Seth. There was Amber, who had been embarrassed online. There was Kyle, who wanted to defend his sister's honor and likely wanted revenge on his former friend for sleeping with his girlfriend, Alyssa. And then there was Michael Bargo, who not only wanted to defend Amber, but he was someone who Seth had called out publicly multiple times. So police, they take a glimpse into Amber and Kyle's backgrounds, and there's nothing glaring on either of their records. But they look at Michael's, and they see that he's got some stains on his record in the form of nonviolent crimes, theft, burglary. So it would be a stretch to assume someone would jump straight into something sinister with no history of violence. Investigators are looking at these three kids, and they have a feeling that something fishy is going on, but they don't know what. And they have no evidence suggesting otherwise. Mike would disrupt classes um, just with like outbursts of like just silly things or saying something really profane. But um, he he might have took like a bad influence, maybe from the class above him which would be my class, we on really knowingly, we kind of were always trying to start to like stir up trouble. Like now I feel like I'm a good person, but back then we were, we were super gluing quarters to tiles. We made a science teacher cry. So, I mean, we weren't trying to 
if we were just young angsty kids maybe he thought of it more as like a competition instead of just being a, a dumb teenager so by now seth had been missing for three days and police were scratching their heads about what actionable investigative moves should be made first but luckily for them the truth about what happened to seth was about to fall right into their laps i had completely moved on with my life after high school that I got a phone call from one of my friends just telling me, hey, you got to you gotta check this out. Do you remember this kid? I was like, yeah, I remember Mike. We were decent friends. Why? What happened? He's like, man, you're not going to want to be saying that soon. A woman named Tracy Wright called the police. And if Tracy's last name sounds familiar to you, it's because it's the same last name of Seth's ex-girlfriend, Amber. Tracy was the mom to both Kyle and Amber. Each of them had different last names because they had different fathers. But anyways, on the phone, Tracy explained that the kids had a few friends sleep over on the previous evening, which was Monday night. And she told the police that the kids were being kind of weird and weepy throughout the night. Then later on the the night, Kyle and his mom were watching the news and a report about Seth being missing aired on TV. After the report ended, Kyle turned to his mom and said he had something to tell her. He said he knew what happened to Seth. Detectives asked Tracy to bring her son down to the station immediately, which she did. And once they had Kyle in the interrogation room, they heard a story unlike anything they've ever heard. A story that shocked the community to its core. The detectives asked Kyle to start at the very beginning. Because by now, the detectives know something sinister has happened to Seth just based on all these variables. But what exactly and by whose hand? Was Kyle about to confess to perpetrating a crime himself? Was he about to rat out his little sister, Amber? Or was he about to tell them that it was Mike? Well, plot twist. It was all three and then some. Here's what happened. Kyle, Amber, and Mike were all hanging out at the home of one of their girlfriends, Charlie Ely. Another friend of theirs was also there, and his name was Justin Soto. And basically, Kyle, Amber, and Mike were speaking out loud and airing their grievances about Seth, about how much they hated Seth, about how Seth had ruined everything, how Seth needed to learn a lesson. And it was Michael Barga who landed on the fact that they were going to make something happen, and they were going to be the ones who would teach Seth a lesson. So Mike asked Amber to text Seth and to pretend that she wanted to talk about getting back together. Amber says no problem. After all, all of these problems stemmed from the fact that Seth was still in love with Amber. Surely he'd come running the second she asked him to, and he did. On the evening Amber started texting Seth, he was sitting with his friend. And Seth's friend urged him not to mess with Amber anymore, telling him, quote, it's just bad news. But the friends then parted ways at around 9.15 p.m. And Seth was still texting on his phone as he headed in the direction of Charlie's house, which is where Amber said she was. And here's their exchange. Hey, can you talk? You said you needed to talk? Well, I kind of need to talk to you about us working things out. What do you mean? Can you please call me now? Yeah, sure. So at this point, presumably, they get on the phone, and she says, I need you to come over to this address, X, Y, Z, whatever. So then she says, hey, my friend Charlie is coming with. I've been telling her everything between me and you, and she's coming because I need her to help me through this. Is that okay? But don't tell anybody what's going on, because I want to make sure we can work things out before anyone knows. Seth texts back, Amber, if you have me jumped, I will never give you the time of day. So if I get jumped, say goodbye, all right? I swear you're not, Seth. I could never do that to you. I just want you and me back. Okay. I'm walking up the hill now. I'm at the neighborhood road. Where are you? Sorry, I didn't want you to hear me, but stay around the corner where me and you just wait right there. I'll be there in a minute. Okay, so it's clear that Seth, even though he was young and blinded by love, he was skeptical of this entire exchange. Why did Amber want to get back together all of a sudden? She was so gung-ho about this. And even though this was sketchy as hell, Seth's wishful thinking made him push past and ignore his instincts. He was willing to take the risk. He loved Amber that much. And meanwhile, over the course of that day, Michael had really masterminded a plan to murder Seth. Seth was only expecting Amber and Amber's friend Charlie to be at the home. 
He had no idea that Michael, Kyle, and their friend Justin were lying in wait. Michael's plan called for Amber to text him once she was with Seth outside of this home. But whether intentional or not, she never did. The next step included Justin Soto hitting Seth with a piece of wood. But for whatever reason, he didn't do anything once Seth was inside the home. Michael and Kyle were in a back bedroom talking about killing Seth when they heard him enter. Seth was in the living room talking to Amber and Charlie. And Michael was convincing Kyle to charge at his former friend and hit him in the head with a plank of wood. And eventually, that's exactly what Kyle did. And once that happened, all hell broke loose. Michael, Kyle, and Justin began beating and kicking Seth. He fell to the ground and immediately started bleeding. So the police are listening to this story and their jaws are on the floor. What the hell is this? But as terrifying as what they'd heard so far, it was only the beginning. Somehow, after taking an unfathomable beating, Seth mustered a shot of adrenaline, which allowed him to run from the home. He got out of the front door before Kyle and Justin caught up with him in the front yard, and they dragged him back inside. And Seth was incapacitated. Michael actually stopped the beating, and he instructed his minions to drag him into the bathroom and put him in the bathtub. Kyle then said that the final leg of Michael's plan involved keeping Seth alive until he could be placed in the bathtub. Why? Because Michael wanted Seth to, quote, know who was killing him. Once in the bathtub, Michael went into the bathroom alone with Seth, and he shut the door. Michael then broke his legs. Outside in the living room, Kyle and Justin helped Amber and Charlie start to clean up the blood evidence inside the home. Then they heard multiple gunshots. When Kyle went back into the bathroom, Seth was dead, and Michael was pummeling his lifeless corpse and screaming curses at him. Kyle eventually calmed Michael down enough to stop, and this was not because of remorse, but because he was worried that the neighbors would hear them. They wrapped Seth's body in a sleeping bag and burned it in the fire pit in the back of Charlie's home. They then shoveled the rest of Seth's remains into five-gallon paint buckets and threw them into a body of water at an old rock quarry. Michael weighed down the buckets of Seth's ashes and remains down with concrete and sunk them in the lake. I know everything we just shared with you is jarring, horrifying. In fact, you forget that we're talking about a group consisting of mainly 15-year-olds. And while Michael's actions sound like that of a grizzled career criminal, he's only 18. So technically an adult, but kind of also a child. So it's difficult to imagine one person having the balls to do something like this. Then you try to imagine two people getting on board with a plan like this, then three, then four. But in fact, it was five people who Michael Bargo convinced to do this. So if you're horrified, imagine the reaction of those who knew Michael. I thought like, you know, this is like a really, really sick joke that my friend is like playing on me. There's no way that that scrawny little kid who we all knew was like just a little bit of a troublemaker would do something like that. And like at such extreme length it was it was a shock to say the least that doesn't even that doesn't even happen in real life like where did he even get that idea all because a girl didn't want to break up with a guy like you could have done that at in 2011 over text you know that would have been a uh, groundbreaking to break up someone over text instead of Doing all of that, that's so, it was so extreme. It made me feel pretty uncomfortable. It was, it was nuts because I was like, man, I can't give him the $25 now. Like, <laughs> that's, that was crazy. I think that somebody would be a mastermind or known as a mastermind behind such a pretty crazy crime was beyond me. So after Seth's murder, we know his mom reported him missing in less than 24 hours, and the investigation was on. Michael skipped town. He posted up with an ex-girlfriend named Kristen in the town of Stark, Florida, which was a few hours away from Summerfield, where the slaying took place. Police arrested everyone involved, 
15-year-olds Amber Wright, Kyle Hooper, and also Charlie, Eli, Justin Soto, and finally, 18-year-old Michael Bargo was located, and he was arrested as well. And as Kyle continued to talk, police purposely put Amber in the interrogation room with him as the recorder was running. And their exchange is fascinating. And this is not because of depraved indifference. It's just a really sad reminder of how fucking young and naive these murderers were. And here's that exchange. You told them? I had to. They knew we were lying. You know how many people are going to fucking hate us for this? People who don't even know us are going to be looking for us if we get out of this. Why? There's a fucking 15-year-old kid murdered because of us. Yeah, but it's not our fault. Hell, I don't even like them fucking kind of people, and I'm one of them now, and I didn't even do anything. I don't want any of this to happen. Neither did we. We just got stupid and fell into Mike's trap. When I was growing up, I took French in high school, but I could never get the language to stick. I wanted to be fluent so bad, but it never happened. I just couldn't focus and I couldn't practice enough and it didn't work. But thankfully, there's Rosetta Stone, which is the most trusted language learning program. And it's available on desktop or it can be used as an app on your phone or tablet. Rosetta Stone is different. It immerses you in so many ways. And with its intuitive process, you can pick up any language naturally. First with words, then phrases, and then sentences. And before you know it, boom, conversations. Plus, with Rosetta Stone's true accent feature, you'll get feedback on how well you're pronouncing words. It's like having a personal trainer for your accent. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, the first-degree listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com first. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com first today. Okay, so it comes as no surprise that I have absolutely no idea how to cook. I don't want to learn how to cook. It's not really my thing. But when I tried Factor meals, it was a freaking game changer. So Factor's fresh, never frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. Yeah, two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great tasting meals. So the first time I tried Factor meals, I was actually blown away because I'm like, that's it. That That's all it is. Two minutes and the meals are so delicious. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every single week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. And you can treat yourself to restaurant quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, ooh, fancy, shrimp, and blackened salmon. Like I said, they're so easy to prepare. I love them. So head to factormeals.com slash degree 50 and use code degree 50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code degree50 at factorymeals.com slash degree50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. It's almost summer and the best and most sustainable way to shop for a new season is on the realreal.com. The Real Real is the largest and most trusted source for authenticated luxury resale. It's the only place you'll find brands like Hermes, Cartier, Prada, Dior, Staud, Zimmerman, Jacquemus, and more for up to 90% off retail. 10,000 plus new arrivals land every single day from hundreds of brands you love, all authenticated by a team of in-house experts. Whether it's that perfect wedding guest look, a new summer sandal, an updated beach tote, resort wear for your summer vacation, you're bound to find exactly what you're looking for, plus deals you won't get anywhere else on therealreal.com. Visit therealreal.com and use code FIRST at checkout for 20% off. Terms apply. Really breaks my heart because I, I, I hear about it. Some of my friends will talk about it. It's sort of, I mean, it doesn't like upset me to the point where I'm angry at him. But you you see the you see the nice picture of Seth, and he's just like this sweet young looking kid, and he just got mixed up like just with dating somebody, and then you just get you just get murdered over it. That's completely not justifiable, and like it 
there's like the basis of friendship that I had with Bargo. And then there's what he did. And I can't, there's no way, like, I can't even think of him as like a buddy or a friend or anything, you know, it's just like, how could you, how could you do that to somebody? So the police obtained a search warrant for Charlie Ellie's house, as well as Michael Bargo's bedroom at his grandma's house. The police found Michael's DNA and blood evidence located on a bracelet, on a pair of jeans, and three t-shirts belonging to him. They found blood evidence on the floor of the bathroom, the floor of the kitchen, and the living room floor, bathroom wall, and kitchen ceiling of Charlie Ellie's house. They found DNA belonging to all of the suspects mixed with Seth's blood. They also found Michael's DNA and blood on the kitchen light fixture. They then found drag marks in the dirt located in the backyard. A pressure washer on the front porch was used to clean up the blood. A search of the fire pit revealed projectiles and possible human remains. At the rock quarry where they disposed of the remains, police found shoe impressions and circular bucket rings in the sand and dirt along the path leading to the pond. They also found a bucket with a plastic bag attached to it floating in the water. Dive teams found a five-gallon bucket lid on the rock wall along the water and two more five-gallon buckets underwater attached to cinder blocks by wires and cables. Pieces of suspected charred human remains were found in the buckets at the bottom of the body of water and on the rock wall near the location where the bucket lid was found. In addition to physical evidence implicating this entire group in this horrible murder, witnesses came forward and said that Michael had freely confessed to them as well. He told his friend Crystal that they placed Seth Jackson's body in a sleeping bag and burned it, but that the body did not burn all the way. Teeth were still in his skull. So Michael Bargo took pliers and pulled each of them out one by one. Each of the five suspects were indicted on murder charges. And once Michael was identified as the mastermind, they decided that they would pursue the death penalty in his case. Once all the suspects were under arrest, they were separated and probed one by one. And unsurprisingly, each tried to distance themselves from the horrific, cruel acts that had transpired. Amber said, quote, I looked at Charlie and I was like, run. And we ran into the bathroom and shut the door. And we heard another door fly open and we just heard gunshot after gunshot after gunshot. Certainly they weren't in the room, they claimed. Amber also claimed that after the gunshots, she and Charlie fell asleep in that bathroom until around noon the next day. And the detective on the case didn't buy this at all. And after some more interrogation, she learned that in addition to Kyle, Charlie, Amber and Michael, they also had 20 year old Justin Soto at the house as well. And Michael Bargo was on the run at this point, but authorities were able to bring in the other four for questioning. Once they were all interrogated, each began to flip on one another. But eventually the facts painted this picture of a horrific, depraved, cold, and premeditated murder that would shake even the most seasoned detectives. And while each suspect's account varied slightly, there is one commonality that the other four suspects shared. They all pointed to Michael Bargo as the mastermind. While evil people definitely do find each other, I feel like that's something maybe not totally different, but definitely in the same realm. Vulnerable people who are at like these critical moments in their life to where they're kind of a little wishy-washy, but they still want to be a part of something. Evil people or people that can really like perceive things going on into other people's lives. I think they can really pinpoint when that is act and get them to be on their side it's such a dangerous power to be like that charismatic to really convince four or five other people to go in on a murder with you he if he would have put as much effort into murdering people as he was to teaching me how to kickflip yeah, he he would have really put his mind for it and really started going gung-ho with it, and it would have been a catastrophe. Even though Michael was troublemaker, he was uh, a skater, he was just a scrawny little kid who maybe had some temper tantrums at school, 
I looking back, I could, I mean, I could see him maybe just being smarter than what he's putting off to be. But to use what he's got in his head to do what he did was not excusable. That's, that was crazy. At separate trials, Amber, Charlie, and Kyle were each found guilty of first-degree murder, and they were sentenced to life in prison. Justin also pled guilty, and he got a life sentence. Kyle addressed the court after he was sentenced to life for killing his friend. Kyle Hooper. All right. Uh, Kyle, a few minutes ago I talked about a conversation we had before you testified in the trial. Is what I said true? Can you go ahead and say now what you wanted to say in the trial? I, uh, I, I don't know how it, how it feels for, to have your son to be lost. I, I don't, but, uh, and I could only imagine how, uh, how hard it could be for you. And I, and I know if it were me, I know how my, how my family would feel. And I, and I know, I know it may not help or bring him back in any, in any way. But I, I, I am sorry for what I have done. Is there anything else you'd like to say, Kyle? No, sir. Words cannot describe the pain and suffering you have inflicted on our family. You have taken so much from so many. The loss of our son has been the most difficult thing we have ever had to bear. It has changed our lives and the way we think, feel, and live. Our lives will never be the same, as we will never see our son grow up or have children of his own nor will we ever spend another birthday or holiday with our son. As I stand here today, or sit, facing children who have taken our son's life, I ask myself, they are just kids. Is life in prison the right punishment for them? The hours before any action was taken proves the kind of person they really are. They had plenty of time to think about what was going to happen. The thoughts running through their minds should have raised red flags. They say their minds are not fully developed at this age. This is true, but it does not take a fully developed mind to know and understand right from wrong. After all, a two-year-old learns that hurting others is not accepted in our society. This was no accident. This was a planned murder that they all agreed to, talked about, and thought about. They even took steps to prepare for it. Seth and Kyle were friends at one time. Kyle even spent time in our home. I will never understand how someone who was supposed to be Seth's friend exhibited hatred towards him. Kyle agreed to the plan. He helped prepare for it. He gathered wood for the fire. Did he not think about what that fire was for? He was the first person to actually start the attack on Seth. He administered the first blow. After being beaten and shot several times, Seth still managed to run outside where Kyle again made a choice to continue with the plan and bring Seth back inside knowing he would not live. Kyle, the life you took can never be given back. Now the life you will lead will remind you that Seth did deserve to live. You helped take Seth's life, and I hope he haunts the rest of yours. Michael Bargo's trial was different from that of his co-conspirators for a number of reasons. The first was that he was facing the death penalty. And during the proceedings, Michael testified in his own defense, and he pointed the blame at the others. And here's what his side of the story was. 
He said that when he arrived at Charlie's home, Seth was already dead. And he said that his gun, which was the one that was used to kill Seth, had actually gone missing earlier that day. And I guess one of the other four must have taken it. He said when he arrived, Amber was crying. He said Charlie was cleaning the scene with bleach, and Kyle was alone outside in the backyard tending to a huge bonfire. According to Michael, it was at that point when Kyle took him inside and told him what had happened. Kyle Hooper. Kyle said he went out there and he told, you know, told Seth, get out the house. Dad out the house. And he wouldn't leave. He said the girls came out and he demanded they go in the bedroom. They went back to the bedroom and he's sitting here and he said, he said he told Seth to leave. Get out of the house. Get out of the house. And Seth said he wasn't leaving until he said, Seth said he wasn't leaving until, until he talked to Amber. Kyle got mad. He said Seth punched him or hit him. Seth was on top of him and was, I don't know exactly what he said, he was hitting him or choking him or punching him. He said Seth was on top of him, just beating him. And two pieces of the stick broke off. He said Seth rolled over onto the stick. He said that him, said he got up and Seth got up, except Seth got up with his stick. He said that he pulled the gun out on him and started sh- and coming from Seth that he didn't know what it was. So he, he, he said what he told me was is that he came too far and he, it, was, it was too late. He said he then shot him a couple more times in the head. He said he, they, they freaked out. He said the girls were crying. He said he freaked out. Oh, okay, what about, was there a plan in this or anywhere? No, he said that when he came out, he was just there. He just said Seth was just there. He tried to get him to leave. He wouldn't leave. What did you say as a result of that? I, I didn't know what to say. I mean, he just told me that Seth was there and that he wouldn't leave, and he tried making him leave. Well, where was the body at that point? When I came home, while he's talking to me, the body was already in the fire, and that's, that's what he ended up telling me. The jury didn't buy it. And they came back with a verdict after deliberating for only three hours. When the jury came back, they announced the verdict. Michael Bargo was found guilty as charged. And just as Michael had spared Seth no mercy, the jury followed the killer's lead. During sentencing, they handed down the death penalty, sealing Michael Bargo's fate as the youngest person on death row in the U.S. For sure he's scared. And like... I mean, come on. You had to have known that you're about to take this kid's life. You thought you were going to get away with it by throwing like the paint cans in the river and nobody was going to miss it. Acknowledge that a a child was missing. People were going to go on a hunt for him and you were so clean cut with everything. So like meticulous with your cleaning that you were never going to get caught. You never thought that was going to come back up. Oh man, I don't even really want to. I really want to get this dark. I don't know if if I was in that situation, I might have not even waited for the death penalty. Like the amount of like guilt, the amount of everything that you had just committed, whether it just be like in that fit of emotion, everything like coming full circle. You're finally, you know, disposing of the body. You know, days go by and I I don't know, I don't have that in me. I would feel so guilty and I would feel so ashamed of myself. And I mean, if it if it wouldn't have been by getting caught or anything like it would have just turned into trying to escape everything like I don't know, that would have been constantly looming over my head. It probably would have driven me insane. Murder is murder. You you took another person's life, their future, what they could have contributed to the world, whether it be working in a grocery store or running for office. Like you have zero right to do that. Granted, your mind isn't fully developed, but it was developed enough to convince all of your buddies to murder somebody that's just so mind-boggling that somebody that young could have done something so crazy 
People often poke fun at the state of Florida for some of the bizarre crimes that occur there. But even the residents of the Sunshine State were caught off guard by the vicious and brutal murder of Seth Jackson. A 15-year-old kid professed his love over Facebook, and when his heart was broken, he used the same medium to convey his anger and resentment. As we look back on it as adults, it all sounds trivial. But try to remember what breakups felt like as a teenager. They felt like your whole world was crumbling. And when those breakups are aired out on social media, the devastation is amplified for the entire school, the entire town, the entire world to see and comment on. Names were called, feelings were hurt, battle lines were drawn, and one group of friends decided to transport a fight from the digital world into the real world. Those who were responsible for taking Seth's life are paying with theirs. And in Summerfield, the real world has never been the same. Well, a huge, huge thank you to Jaime for being our first degree for this case. If you have a story you would like to tell, please email us. Hello at the first degree podcast.com. Follow us on Instagram at the first degree at Billy Jensen at Alexis Linkletter at Jack Vanek. Join our Facebook group and talk some true crime all the time. Leave us a five star review. I haven't asked that in a while and stick around because we're going to kill some time. And remember, only you can prevent serial killers. And keep your friends close. But not that close. But not that close. <laughs> I was too nervous. Happy final day. Happy, Happy birthday, final Mom. day. Happy birthday, Mommy Jensen. Happy birthday, Mommy Jensen. Bye-bye. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. On this episode of Plant Killers, we'll explore one nation's most notorious fruit and vegetable killer, bad dirt. What makes bad dirt so bad? The answer, the ingredients. But fear not, true crime enthusiasts. This story has a happy ending. New miracle Grow organic raised bed in garden soil. It's made with quality organic ingredients from upcycled green waste like compost and aged bark. Unlike the other guys who can't say the same. Looks like bad dirt's murdering days are over. Thanks to miracle Grow. Join us next time on Plant Killers. All right, welcome to another episode of Killing Time. I am so excited about this episode. And I came, well, I came up with the idea. I thought about doing this for this episode because when you join our Facebook group, we have a few questions to make sure that you are actually a fan of the first degree. And what are they, Alexis? It's it's really a sort of like a Mad Lips. It says only you can prevent blank blank. Yeah, and then the uh, other one is is uh, turn down the lights, turn up your anxiety, blank because blank 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 blank. blank, blank. And there's some people who don't know, so they make shit up, and they are <laughs> fucking funny. And I send it to a group chat when I see good ones and they're like, what was the one yesterday that was amazing? Well, we're going to get, yeah, let's get to that one. Well, you that, get to one, it, Jack. That was the Sorry. one that kicked, kicked this whole thing off. Yeah. Well, we have to, those, I, I don't have offhand. So one of you is going to have to look them up. But I, on top of that, I was like, you know what? We used to read bad reviews and then we stopped for a while. And I think we really need to bring them back and not just bad, but like funny fucking reviews because yeah. there's some good ones out there. So we're because they gonna, could, it could turn up in onto a t-shirt. Alexis Linkletter must be stopped. That's, that's where Alexis Linkletter must be stopped. And you know what? That is such a huge part of our brand. Yeah. And without really diving into these bad reviews, we would have never known. So we're going to go right in. So are you guys ready to start? I'm going to do... These are at random. I don't have them in any order. So I'm ready. First one is 
because you can write a little title. Title, Billy Jensen fan. Says, starting started listening to the podcast because I love Billy Jensen. Podcast is interesting. Binge the entire thing in two weeks. Could do without the other two hosts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Come on. Not sure what kind of podcast would be left. After yeah, what would that Jack, be? If me and Jack fucked off. But yeah, maybe <laughs> Billy could just sit on the mic and talk about his hair. Yeah. Or who knows what else. Talk about, just, yeah. talk about the 1800s. Um, okay. <laughs> Second one. And this one. This one goes. Jared's here, by the way. Jared said, say hi. Hi, guys. Um, hi, Jared. There's some, there are some reviews about the editing. <laughs> so here's one of them. This says it's from your podcast makes my ears bleed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. listen, everybody's a critic, Jared. Everybody, Ooh, people who don't know how wait. to do anything, people who literally well, have never left their house have opinions about things. Well, that's fine. I mean, they're yeah. entitled to that. Okay. So the review says who edits this podcast, <laughs> whoever it is should be fired. A- after every sentence consisting of more than six words, the main female takes three horrible breaths of air and it literally crushed my ears. So this is really a collaboration of Jared and Alexis for this. Um, really? Quote, okay. Let's dive into this. The main female is Jared's band, the main, and you are the main oh. female. So I think they're talking about oh, you shit. and I think it's a pun. <laughs> this is, this is, oh this my is God. genius. Look yes. at Jared. His mind is blown. I think. I think that. I think a T-shirt that says "the main female" is gonna is gonna be in the merch store pretty soon. I okay. So most of my job is just making sure that you guys aren't breathing. I want you to know that. Just we're like robots. <laughs> That's what I do. So this is this was Jump the answer in. to get into the Facebook group. It was this person. So it was only you can prevent dot dot. Everybody knows what that is, right? Only you can prevent serial killers. Mm-hmm. Only you can prevent. This person wrote biased thoughts. That's true. And then oh, let's and then let's turn down the lights and turn up your anxiety because and she wrote your neighbor could be a psychopath. Oh. Okay. Well, that's not that's wrong. Cool. Well, I have the other but one the, pulled the, up. No, no, the other one is you do the other only one, you yeah. can prevent it's supposed to be serial killers. Only you can prevent drama, and that's fucking true. Mm, and this so one true. says, let's turn down the lights and turn up your anxiety because light sensitivity is a real issue. And I'll fucking say, <laughs> no shit. I'm like, I'm letting I you in. That. You may have never listened to this podcast before, but you were in this Facebook group because, You're girl, yes. light sensitivity is real. I just, I wonder where these non-fans find us from. And then I love, I love the creativity. Like, honestly, you can... C- you're not going to get what you expect if you don't know what you're joining. So it's like, I'd love to welcome you into this experience because it's going to be an interesting one. Absolutely. And I, I will say too, even if your review is mean about me personally, if it's creative, I'll, I'll think it's amazing. Absolutely. Okay. I'm like going to make go one of my for... breathing in a creative way and I'll think I'll, I'll read it here. Okay. Here's another one. Some girl goes, or girl, I don't know. Some person goes, how is this five stars? Two drunk girls that have no clue what life outside their period. Sad to see Billy Jensen dragged down by these two. If you have to drink to do your job, you might want to get a different job. <laughs> what is your job? What is this yeah, what's your job? person's job? Honestly, I know this, I'm sorry. I know that's not a man. That's only that's a woman. <laughs> I know that. Yeah, um, and, I, and I wish you could. That's not a man res- insult. No, no. Um, I wish you could respond on comments because I'd be like, oh, really? Like, it, unless you literally work as like a roller coaster tester, everyone wants to drink at their job. No one likes having a job. Unless you literally are driving for your job. Yeah. Isn't it nice and fun to drink on the job? Don't, isn't that, doesn't that make the job better? The fuck is a roller coaster tester? (laughs) Also, this is another, this is another like the perils. Wait a second. Uh, A roller coaster tester or a roller coaster technician? Tester. tester. You have to test the roller coaster. By riding on it? I feel like you'd want to get drunk for that too. Yeah, you're probably right. Well, that's that's what I'm saying. You'd want to get drunk for like that's the only job you wouldn't need to be drunk because it's already you get like the dopamine oh, from the joy. Kicks out but of it. Okay. To clear everything up for everyone, Billy drinks more than both of us. Everybody hates on me and Jack, and everybody loves Billy. So I'm not gonna take that personally because like that's just <laughs> my fucking life. Yeah. 
That is. This is the life that we live in. Um, okay, I'm going to read a good one. And then I'm going to read a bad one. Okay, this is the next cult classic. Ooh. A cult favorite like Sex in the City. But instead of exploring the complexities of relationships, they dish about the details of a murder. Billy is a Carrie. Jack is a Samantha. Alexis is a, is a Miranda. And Jared Damn is a it. Charlotte. Wait, why am I not Wait. a Charlotte? Wait, why are you a Samantha? I don't know. I don't watch Sex in the City. Is Samantha bad? Samantha is uh, liberated. <laughs> okay. So I'm pretty li- like sexually liberated. Yes. Uh, okay. Jared doesn't want to hear that. <laughs> I'm not sure why I'm Miranda. That doesn't make any sense. But except I'm a know-it-all and she's like a lawyer know-it-all type. But that makes and sense. And you're, you're organized and everything. And, you know, I think that's where that comes from. That's I what pretend is- to be. Why is Jared a Charlotte? I don't know. Charlotte is like the buttoned up, like very prim and proper. And Billy is not a care. Like this person, I really appreciate it. It is a classic and I love you for saying that. You, The characters are wrong. You, you've got okay, it all mixed I, up. You're Carrie, Jacqueline. Okay. I'm like a Samantha Charlotte hybrid. Billy's Miranda and Jared is Aiden Shaw. And I literally said that before we started recording. I was like, Jared, you're Aiden. He's got like like the longish hair and he like whittles wood and he wears turquoise and he's so kind. <laughs> I don't know what any of that is. Jared does not <laughs> wear turquoise. Like turquoise jewelry? Yes, that's right. And But he's got the no. same exact like, haircut as Jared and temperament. I would. I'm not, I'm not allowed to wear jewelry. <laughs> no, you're not allowed to wear jewelry. <laughs> okay, I have to finish this review because it actually okay, is. This is it was a five-star review and she, she, I'm assuming this is also a girl, but like it was nice. So she said, their personalities are very different. Each brings their own perspective, but they're all super relatable. They hit on serious topics, shedding a bright light on the victim's story without glorifying the killer. They ask the right questions, provide insights and details in a way that keeps interest peaked. I'm a fan. Oh, thank you so much. Oh, this one's great. Okay. Here we go. It says, dreamy. First of all, I'm obsessed with the show and how far it has come. It gets me through my night shift faithfully. Thanks for little tweaks such as Alexis's breathing. I love you, but I get a little bit sad when my favorite curse word is bleeped out. That's not our fault. We have we to don't do that bleep for them out. We don't want to. The network makes us. They do it behind our backs. We curse a lot, hoping they'll miss them. They never do. Fuck, Sorry. fuck, fuck. Um, she said, I wasn't going to give a review outside of five stars, but I literally just had a dream that I was dating Billy and he was Dirty John. And somehow I know this and I'm just waiting for him to start going crazy. Plus, I couldn't wait to share my dream since since I know how much Jack loves when someone shares their dreams. Then she said five out of five hands down. So this is a great review. And then she gave us two stars. Mm, I saw that. I, I saw that on and I commented when someone posted that one. I was like, I don't think the rating system works how she thinks it does but we're so grateful for the review and we love you so much oh this one's great alexis the best podcast (laughs) this is all it says the best podcast (laughs) oh my god i can't wait (laughs) meat gives you confidence i love the first degree (laughs) is that something i said did i say meat gives you confidence no i think that they just understand us as a person i think i did say meat Gives you confidence. See you out of killing, yeah. Another killing love time. I think I did. And and, yeah. Yeah. That sounds like something I said. Sounds like something you would say. Um, Meat does give you. I just love it. That's it. Meat gives you confidence. I love the first degree. It's short and sweet. Is there anything mm-hmm. more powerful looking than a fucking sausage or a like <laughs> a long log of dry salami? <laughs> like what is or like because it's like phallic. a a tube steak or like even just a fucking roast like. Yeah, no, something I, you know what's primal you know about what's, it? What's powerful is like a big turkey leg. <laughs> Fuck yeah. I've been to a Renaissance fair and I held it and I ate it and I felt like a wench from fucking 8,000 years yes. ago and I loved it. Yeah, it makes you feel powerful like you're just going to eat it right off the bone and then you like throw an axe. And then hit it at somebody. Yeah. Yeah, and then well, use it as why, a weapon. Yeah. You guys, like, that's why when you get chicken nuggets from McDonald's, they're like little pieces of confidence. <laughs> one bite-sized confidence is at a why, time why <laughs> they are not a sponsor i, I bite-sized confidence <laughs> <laughs> gonna postmates that shit right now i think you need it oh my god um one of them says 
<laughs> there's like a lot it's a long review eh, two stars and it ends with also maybe stop constantly talking about your boyfriend jared it's so boring bye <laughs> first of all we only do it on the killing time because we, we literally it's like we have a scripted podcast we it's a very produced podcast we don't have any banter that's not planned so if you're listening to killing time then you like our show so don't leave us a shitty review and if you don't, then don't listen to our fucking after show. That's where we actually express ourselves. I don't expect us to be liked by really anyone. That's why we have a scripted podcast. But for those who do, which is wh- it's why we do the killing time, don't listen if you don't like my personality. I no, cut I cut my personality out of the main podcast for that reason. You know, <laughs> who okay, doesn't speaking like Jared? People the wrong way. Who doesn't like I have Jared idea. though? I'm ready. Okay. <laughs> One star. Alexis Linkletter is horrible. That's <laughs> this show is it's this show is boring. It was interesting at first, but then it got extremely annoying listening to them talk about mundane things. Then I joined the Facebook group and asked a serious question. It was extremely nice to Alexis, and then she bans me from the group. Well, here's your one star. Ha 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 ha. Okay. Do we want to talk about who this is? The one oh, you question. Know? The one question this person asked me is out on a date publicly, mm. and the group attacked him, mm. and uh, yeah, this is the guy who sued Taylor Swift for not giving him attention, Ooh. and yeah, so uh, I was very nice to him, but it creeped the mods out, and it creeped everyone else out, and he was deleted by them. He was creepy, and I'm glad he was kicked out. That, that specific individual was ban-worthy terrifying if you guys uh, yeah i don't want to say anything mean because he's probably listening (laughs) okay we're gonna end with a really sweet one says love you guys all three are very entertaining and witty love the show even though i've got a feeling billy is a serial killer sorry it's the owl comment and the disney thing (laughs) billy you haven't said anything in a while one star no (laughs) one one stars yeah (laughs) Really? It was they, a nice review. And I, some people guys, don't I, get it. The if they're like, number one, one star. But it's like, no, five. <laughs> five. Five. No, also, it's like if you're doing like this funny, like sarcastic, like trying to make us laugh and doing like a ha, 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 one star. It's like, no. Like maybe if you're trying to be funny, like just say one star, <laughs> but then give us five stars. Yeah, it's like, ha, yeah, ha, 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 that I slash your funny. That hurts us. We don't like that. So five right. stars. Five stars. And we're going to call it time of death eh, about 15 minutes because we're going to cut some shit out. So I don't know exactly how long. Beep. Beep. Hi, it's Martha Stewart. You know, I spend a lot of time thinking about dirt at 3 a.m. at all hours of the day, really. What people don't know is that not all dirt is the same. You need dirt with the right kind of nutrients. New miracle Grow organic raised bed and garden soil is so dense, so full of nutrient-rich, high-quality ingredients. miracle Grow is simply the best. 